0: Peter chapter 3. We've been going through the book of 1 Peter together. We just happened to come to 1 Peter chapter 3 today. So if you have it, I ask you to turn to it. In fact, if you would, I'd like to ask you if you would to stand with me as we read scripture today. But rather than me reading, I've got a couple of young people that are going to help. We have obviously young children in the room. We've got teenagers in the room. So we're going to have one of each coming up. Esther, if you would come join me and also my son Garrett, they're going to come and read for us this morning today's scripture and then we'll look at it together.
1: Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear.
0: Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect, as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Would you put your hands together for our two readers and for God's Word? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You can be seated. You can be seated. You know, I I wanted our young people to read because, for one, they're better readers than me, but also because, um, you know, this is a somewhat controversial subject, at least for some people in the room probably. And so in light of that, I thought you would be less likely to throw anything or boo if there were children on the stage. So, But um, no, seriously, it is a great uh, passage of Scripture. It is not necessarily politically correct. But obviously it's biblically correct because it is God's Word. And so we want to look at it together today. Uh, we're just going through the book of 1 Peter verse by verse. And so I didn't pick the subject necessarily. We just kind of came to it as we, as we are going through God's Word together. And I wanted to look at it with you together because it is important. It is something that our uh, society does sometimes struggle with and have questions about and all of that. And so, uh, but the Bible is clear In not only this passage, but in other places throughout God's Word as well on this subject. It is clear. Paul says, or God says through Paul actually, in Ephesians chapter 5, he says this in verse 24, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, uh, God again says through Paul, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. It is a delicate and sometimes difficult situation, but, but since we're going through it verse by verse, I wanted to look at it together. But as you'll notice, I did not title the message, um, Aliens, A Reason to Submit, because submit is really not the key word. I don't think submission is the key word of this passage. I think the key word is love. So we've called it that, and I'll explain that more. You'll see that more, hopefully, toward the end of what we're talking about. But I wanted to share with you just on this and talk about it, but rather than just do the talking myself, And script out a message as I, you know, typically do when I'm preaching, I decided to ask somebody else who I think you might uh, learn more from, for one, but also uh, enjoy listening to, uh, enjoy looking at more than you look at, enjoy looking at me. All the above apply. She is somebody who doesn't have this all nailed down. It's not always been easy for her. It's not something that has always come natural for her, but it's something that she respects because she respects greatly God's Word. And as she has continued to walk and grow in her love for the Lord and for His Holy Word, uh, our marriage has gotten better and better. Will you welcome to the stage my beautiful, wonderful wife, Kim, as she comes and talks about this? You know, this um, this is not a typical... Uh, topic to to uh, talk about on a family led service, but I wanted to do so simply because it just came up naturally anyway.
1: And this is the only time he invites me to come up and speak when it's about submission.
0: Yeah, well, that's not true, but uh, okay. So we have issues, and that's why I asked her to come up so we could talk through this. But um, no, actually. Actually, I asked her if she would come and help me talk about this subject uh, earlier in the week, and she said, I don't think so. And I said, hey, read the first verse. You're you're coming, whether you want to or not. So, no, no, it didn't really go like that. But but seriously, this is a difficult topic that some often struggle with, that people uh, have questions about and don't understand. But you know what? God's Word is not teaching uh, some kind of a chauvinistic approach to marriage or to husband-wife relationships by any means at all. Jesus was not a chauvinist. I I am not at all a chauvinist. I think my wife could would attest to that and and back me up there. But because I not only love her, I love so many and respect so many women in this world. Um, My mother and Kim's mom uh, were probably the two most important females in my life other than Kim, and I just have loved them so much. They're both now with the Lord in heaven. They both passed away with cancer at fairly young ages, but. um, I love a lot, of, uh, a lot of ladies in many different ways. I respect you. I admire what you do, ladies. And so I want you to uh, hear God's word with the right frame of mind and to know how much you are loved. You know, Jesus loved ladies. He spoke often with great compassion and tenderness and, and care to ladies. In fact, a really cool thought, if you think about it, is that ladies, women, were the last to leave Jesus as He went to the cross. And they were the first to be seen by him when he rose from the grave as well i think that speaks well also of you all but you know god said through paul also in galatians this he said there is neither jew nor gentile slave nor free male nor female you are all one in christ jesus we are one i want you to understand that the ground at the foot of the cross is level this, this context that we're talking about, these scriptures that we look at, are not in any way to talk about superiority as if, as if one sex is greater than the other. It is not that at all. We are equally loved, equally respected, equally valued, uh, e- equally cared for in all of these ways, and yet God does say through Peter and the Apostle Paul as well, clearly that, that uh, there is an element of submission here that... While some may not find that comfortable or appealing, it is what Scripture talks about. So Kim and I wanted to talk about it together. I asked her to do so. She came up reluctantly, but she was willing to do so. But you know what? Again, we have a healthy marriage largely because we have worked hard at living out God's Word. Whether we always like it or not is not the point. We just look at what God says and say, Lord, we trust you. Your ways are higher than ours. Your thoughts are higher than ours. So we do whatever you say. Some parts are harder for me. Some parts are harder for her. But we look at and honor as best we can what God's word says. But, you know, again, we've been married almost 25 years. And that's nothing compared to some of you. Uh, I met a couple that had been married 50 years. And I was marveling at that and talking to them about it and asking, how did you do that? I mean, 50 years. That's quite an accomplishment. It's really cool. And the, uh, the husband said, well, Sonny, it's all because we've consistently lived one simple rule. And I, okay, what's that? He said, well, it's this. Whenever we have come to a small decision, she makes it. Whenever we come to a large decision, I make it. And the key is that we've just never come to any large decisions. <laughs> and I, <laughs> All right, well, there you go. <laughs> Now, seriously, Kim and I have struggled at times in our marriage as well. I mean, we've been very open about that. We've talked up here on stage before about that, and, and are always happy to sit down and talk with other couples going through stuff. We don't have it all figured out, but we do seek to follow and honor God's word as best we can, and that's the key to living life in a way that is healthy. Uh, uh, really, a big key in a lot of what we're looking at here in First Peter, the reason we're calling this series "Aliens," if you're new with us today is because God tells us through Peter, and in other places in Scripture as well, that we should see ourselves as such. As people that are just foreigners, or, or buyers or or exiles, or nomads, whatever you want to say in that respect, it's translated different ways, but that word is seen in Scripture often, that we are to understand this is not our home. So certain things might not be politically correct, and the world... Uh, our, our culture might tell us this is the way to look at X, Y, Z. If God's Word says, no, it's this way instead, we need to see ourselves as aliens and go, hey, we're not of this world. We don't answer to or follow what the world says. We do what God says. And that's what we seek to do, and that's what we want to encourage you to do as well. So let me begin with this. And by the way, I, I worked hard all week on, on scripting this out in terms of the questions for Kim and then the answers that I wanted her to say, and she scribbled all that out. <laughs> And filled in her own stuff. So I don't know what she's really going to say, but here's at least the question. Honey, uh, how natural or easy is this concept for you in terms of living with the idea of submission? What does it look like? How how, uh, how natural does it come to you?
1: It's not. It's not easy to submit. And I think some people are under the misconception that when I said I do to you and became a pastor's wife, somehow I was miraculously transformed into a submissive woman, and I'm sorry, you know, and I know that didn't happen. It's taken a lot of years of growth and trusting in the Lord and seeking to follow Him to be who I am today, which still is not perfect in this regard, but, but I've grown a lot. Um, it's not easy for me. It doesn't come naturally. But because I believe in the truth of God's Word, and I believe in the structure that He has established for families, I choose... To do what he says for me to do because the bottom line is in life we all have to submit to somebody children submit to their parents we've all been children we have children we submit to our parents in our jobs we submit to our bosses when I was a teacher I submitted to my principal who submits to the superintendent who submits to the board we all have to submit to somebody in this life. And so when I can look at the more global perspective of that, that really helps my focus.
0: You know, again, Scripture talks about wives being submissive in other places too, not just in this passage. But in this one in particular, I think it's interesting and very important to note the context. That's really true in all, in all Scripture reading. We need, need to do that. I've shared with you before, somebody once said, you know, if you, if you take out the word... If you take out the text out of the word context, all you're left with is a con, and that can lead us to a real problem in a lot of ways. So we always need to look at context, and as you do here, you notice that God is speaking through Peter to a particular group of women or wives. And again, he says it like this to begin. He says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And from there, he goes on to talk about inward beauty versus outward beauty, and we'll talk about that in a moment. He says several things there, but uh, he then also um, talks about even how Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord at one point.
1: That's why I call you your highness.
0: Yes, she has used that. He likes that. I don't say, I wouldn't say I like that, but... uh, (laughs) It usually only comes up when I, when I ask her to do something, and she says, yes, Your Highness, and i kind of not sure how to take that every time, but, <laughs> but anyway, interestingly, Peter here does talk about wives. If you look at the passage, he talks to wives with six verses, and he talks to husbands with one verse, and some will go, well, what's up with that? I mean, why, why six verses for the ladies and only one verse for the men? What's that all about? Well, we'll get to the one verse for you men in a little bit, but... There are reasons here to understand what's going on, and I think a lot of it is because the women's role in this context, in this particular situation that Peter's addressing was a very difficult situation and harder than it was for the men. You see, what apparently is happening is that many of the ladies, or at least some of the ladies in this context that Peter's writing to, have become Christians, have chosen to surrender their lives to Jesus while their husbands had not. And that's a big deal. Now, if it's the other way around, if a man in this culture, in this time of, of, uh, of, of history, if a man changed his religion, chose to become this or that, Christian or anything else, the women and the children and anybody else in the household would follow pretty naturally. It wasn't all that difficult. But if a wife chose to change her religion, if you will, to become a Christian, that was a big deal. It was a huge deal, and it, it, it had po- potential to cause all kinds of chaos. And um, so if a wife became a Christian first, we're talking about an unprecedented step that needed to be addressed. And so Peter's talking about that. You see, in the ancient world, women, wives, in many respects, had very few rights. Now, this is not necessarily the way it should be, but that's just the way it was at that time. In some respects, women were almost like property owned by their husbands. Now, they were not to be treated as such, or there was not to ever be that attitude But that was what was happening in some respects. So for her to change her religion, to become a Christ follower while her husband was not, was a very big deal. In fact, in many respects would almost be unthinkable. Another reason I think that maybe Peter only talked briefly to the husbands here with just small and few words was because he knew his audience. He knew he was talking to men and he knew he needed to talk simply to those who are simple. So maybe that's also part of that, right? But but let me ask you, Kim, what stands out most to you as you read this? As, as you read this passage, which I ask you to do and just think through what you wanted to share, how do you see it applying to, for one, for our marriage, but also maybe to just marriages in general that might be represented here today?
1: Well, I think, first of all, I look at this and say, okay, it doesn't mean that women are inferior to men. That's not what this passage is getting at. It doesn't mean that we're doormats, that we just have no opinions and no thoughts of our own. And it's not a sign of weakness. In fact, I think submission is a sign of great strength. It's hard to be submissive. And so when I think about being submissive to your leadership, I think, wow, I need to be strong in this. And... And it takes that strength to be able to be under somebody else's leadership in many regards. So submiss- submission to me is not a sign of weakness. It doesn't mean that I have no input. It doesn't mean that I have to keep silent or keep my opinions to myself. But it does mean that I love and honor you and the, respect the leadership that you have in our home. Now, in this passage, Peter is speaking specifically to women with unbelieving husbands. And the advice that he gives to them, I think, is very good and very productive if women can be in that position and follow those instructions that he gives. And some of you here today may be in that situation. For me, I'm not. I I live with a believing husband. But this passage, to me, stands out in a little bit different way. Because Scott and I, at times, don't see eye to eye on some certain is issues. We have little disagreements that can can blow up sometimes, too, to, to larger disagreements. But what I have found over time, and it unfortunately has taken me a lot of time to get to this point, is that when I can step back a little bit and not try to force the issue and force my opinion and come at it super aggressively, which ultimately does not lead to anything productive usually, um, But when I can step back, be respectful, and in love, have a quiet attitude and a respectful attitude, we have a much more productive discussion. Now, that's not to say that the outcome always goes the way that I want it to. That's just not always going to happen, and I'm not always right anyway, so it doesn't need to. But what it does mean is that we are more at peace with one another and it sets the foundation for future conversations where Scott looks at me when we have a disagreement and goes, okay, she's trying to handle this in a respectful and loving manner, so I should probably listen. And it, it builds upon that so that each conversation and each disagreement that we have in the future, we can talk more rationally and reasonably.
0: So, so when we hit uh, you know, an a impasse, I want to go left, you want to go right in some particular area. Talk about how you see that playing out and, and when, what it looks like to submit or to defer and when there might be any opportunity or situation where you would say, you know what, I, I, I don't have to, I should not have to.
1: Well, I think as you shared a couple of weeks ago that if, if our spouse is trying to lead us to do something that goes against God's Word, our first priority is to God. So in that situation, I do not have to submit to you. I need to submit to God, first of all. Also, women, we do not need to be subject to any kind of abuse, physical, emotional, sexual abuse. But unless our husband is trying to lead us to go against God's word, then he's clear that we need to follow the leadership of our husband
0: yeah she's referencing what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when Peter, and actually in Acts chapter five, verse twenty nine Peter and the other apostles were being interrogated and put on trial, basically, for standing up for Jesus, speaking the truth of who Jesus was. They told those who were interrogating them, they said, "We must obey God rather than man and And so if if a husband is trying to lead a wife down a path that would be sinful, then yes, clearly. You need to, ladies, you need to honor God more than you would your husband. But other than in that situation, the Scripture is clear about what it means to defer or to submit in that respect.
1: And I think also to go along with that, following Scott doesn't mean that Scott's always right. He may make a decision that's not right, but if it, if it doesn't go against God and I still choose to follow Scott, then I am following God I'm obeying what God has told me to do. Scott will answer to God for his actions. I will answer to God for my actions.
0: And I know I've heard you say, and I think this is so true. I said it last or two weeks ago in reference to when we submit to to other authorities, maybe the government or whatever else, when God has put others ahead of us or above us. When we choose to submit, it is not only something that is honoring to that person above us. It is an act of worship. To Almighty God. And I know that you have seen it that way when, when it's been difficult at times, when we disagree about something and you say, okay, we'll go your direction. I don't agree, but okay. In that respect, I have seen and I know it is a form of worship for her to honor Almighty God um, and to walk with Him. And it's a beautiful thing. But I'll tell you this I, I know this is not easy. And, you know, ladies, I'm obviously, I, I can't, I, I'm not one of you. I can't understand what it's like to be in your shoes in many respects, but I know this is difficult especially for those of you who might be living with a husband who is not as honoring or as honorable or maybe is not even a Christian. That is difficult. And there's no way to make it not difficult by just looking at one verse here or somewhere in Scripture. It is difficult. But still, God's Word is still what it is. And He is so clear about what we need to handle and how we do that. But but I'll tell you this, ladies. Even in those moments, when you submit to your husband, as long as he's not trying to lead you towards sin, when you submit to your husband, even if he's wrong, even if he's petty, or even if he's inconsistent, whatever, even in those moments, if you are honoring him in that respect, you are honoring Almighty God. It is an act of worship, and maybe that's what you have to hang your hat on and think about. And I'll just tell you this, in terms of practical application, um, even though what you're going through is harder than what a guy can probably understand in many respects, I would tell you this. Um, I have never yet one time met a husband that was not saved who was nagged into the kingdom or who was bossed into the kingdom. It's, it just doesn't happen. And so if you're, even if you're just looking at it from a practical angle of trying to help him or stretch him or push him toward doing what is right. It just doesn't work. It almost never, at least never in, in my experiences, does that work. So I want to encourage you to encourage us, the men, the husbands in your lives. And we'll get to you men in terms of your responsibility in a minute, but you know, some of you ladies probably like the, the definition of submission uh, according to Beth Moore. Maybe you've heard her name. She's a fantastic teacher and speaker. Um, but she once said that her definition of submission is simply this, it's ducking so that God can punch my husband. I thought, well, there you go, you know, you know, I thought that was kind of fun, but um, but you know even even if he doesn't respond, it is an act of worship. Let me ask you this, Kim, how, how about this? What do you think about the inner beauty versus external beauty concept that Peter talks about here?
1: Well, I believe in inner beauty and outer beauty. You do not want to see me when I first get up in the morning. Sorry, honey. <laughs> but um, I think... Women like to look nice, and that is totally fine. But we all know how it can go with, with um, spending too much time on the outside right here and not on the inside. It's just not pleasant to be around people that look beautiful but aren't beautiful in here. And so for me, I think I need to spend every bit as much time or probably more working on what's inside than outside
0: and I think that's a lot of what Peter's talking about, making that very clear. And we need to do that. In fact, you know, uh, while styles and fashions change and hair turns gray and clothes wear out and all those kinds of things, there is a beauty that is lasting. And the word used here in this passage about lasting is interesting. In its original form, it is actually used elsewhere in the New Testament as, uh, also, and it is used to describe heavenly realities, heaven itself places that obviously last for all eternity. And ladies, that's what you need to strive for. The beauty that comes from within is even more important than the external beauty as well. External beauty is important. I mean, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That, there's, an, there's a place to uh, understanding the importance of that, but it is secondary. All right, well, let's look at verse seven. The one verse for you guys. You think, well, it's just one verse and it's easily read and just kind of skipped over, but it is really powerful. I want you to think about it. It says this. Peter says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of God so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, he he says, be considerate. When you look that up or think about that or study that, you know what that literally means? The wording for be considerate in the original language really means to be knowledgeable about. What I take from that, what I think is being said is guys, men, we need to understand if we're married, we need to study our wives. I, I'm pursuing a PhD. Not, not in what you might think. I'm pursuing a Ph.D. in chemology because I want so badly to study and understand and know her. Now, I know men and women think differently. We're wired differently. I'll never be able to fully understand a lady. None of you men will be able to fully understand your wives, but we need to work at that. You need to know her love language. And if you're like, what does that mean? Well, then you need to read the book. Look it up. But you need to know what pushes her buttons, good ways and bad ways, the things that, that light her up in a good way that just melts her heart. You need to know the things that push your buttons in the other way and learn to function and live life according to that knowledge. And you say, well, I, you know, I, I know women are, tend to be this or tend to be that. No, you need to know specifically what she's like. When Peter says, or when God says to Peter, be considerate as you live with your wives, you need to understand he wants you to study her, to know her, to really pursue her, to, to continue to date her don't do the trophy wife concept where you date her and pursue her and you know do all the flowers and gifts and all those special dates and all that while you're dating and then when you get married go okay well we're done with that now that i could put a ring on her finger you know it's kind of like having the the deer mounted on the wall and you just kind of tune out and forget all of that from then forth you don't do that man don't do that you continue to date her I, i probably need to do a better job but kim and i go on dates frequently Um, I try to surprise her sometimes while she works down in the springs. I'll just, if I have an extra uh, afternoon or something where I can do this, I'll come down and surprise her and bring her lunch. Or or we often go for walks in the afternoon when she comes home, when we both get home. um, I I buy her flowers, get cards. um, Sometimes I even really suck it up and, and watch a Hallmark movie. Ugh. You know, stuff like that. You know, I don't enjoy those, but, but, uh, but we enjoy all these kinds of things together. But I would tell you the most important thing, men. And I had an interesting conversation with with a younger man in our church family that um, would not even call himself a Christian yet. He's trying. He's wanting to grow. And he had somebody talk to him about being a spiritual leader. What does that mean, Scott? Pastor, tell me. What does that mean? Does what does it mean to be a spiritual leader? So we talked about some of that. And he goes, "I'm trying." I'm trying. He talked with Rob Gleghorn some as, as well as a friend and as one of our elders. And he's trying to do that. He said, so it's really uncomfortable, and I don't know what in the world I'm doing, but I'm trying, and I'm actually praying out loud with my family. And i was like, man, that's awesome. That is what you need to do. Kim and I, um, just like everybody else, need to do our own devotions to get, I mean, on our own between us and the Lord. But we have, and I wish I could say we did this when we got married, but it's actually only been a few years ago that we started. But we wake up every morning. And other than the good morning, how'd you sleep, you know, maybe a thought like that, collect your, you know, turn the brain on for just a moment, then we turn to each other and go, all right, let's pray together. And sometimes that's a couple of minutes, sometimes that's 10 or 15 minutes, uh, or even more. But we almost always start our day with that. Now, that means getting up earlier than we would otherwise want to. I mean, I would love to sleep an extra 30 minutes, but we get up earlier than we would for the sake of praying together. Usually, I pray first, and then she follows And and a key part to that is I don't pray at her. I pray for her. I pray with her. And mostly I pray about the things going on in my heart so that she can hear that and and maybe join me in prayer um, about some of those things. If she's shared something maybe that's important in her life that she's trying to sort out or think through, I'll pray about that with her. But I don't pray at her like, oh, Lord, help her to work on this or help her to work on that. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. I pray with her. And then she prays in the same way with me. And then we usually read Scripture together and talk about that together. And guys, I want to encourage you to be the spiritual leader. The scripture talks about your wife submitting to you, but it talks about you loving your wife like Christ loved the church. That's what Paul talked about in, in Ephesians chapter 5. And that's a tall order, a lot taller than most of us probably often realize. But think about that. Pause and give that some consideration. What did Jesus do for the, for the church? He died for the church. He went to a cross, a cruel horrific death. He died for the church out of love for her. So obviously it means that if necessary, and hopefully it never will be, but if necessary we take a bullet for our wives. But even more than that, think about what Jesus did. He didn't just take the bullet. He also swallowed his pride and he sucked it up and he dealt with all kinds of difficult things that came his way all leading up to prior to that moment of dying on the cross. Do you not think that maybe at different times there was a temptation to snap his fingers and turn somebody into stone or, or, or do something to them to show them who he really was and who they were defying and who they were saying terrible things about or lying about? That happened all the time to him. The church did all kinds of terrible things to him. I mean, non-believers, but also people in the church. And whether your wife is easy to love or difficult in certain moments, mine's always easy right? Always. But anyway, no, there are times where it's difficult. And even in those moments, we love our wives as Christ loved the church. And that is a tall order. But if we will do our part, then it's a lot easier for the ladies, for our wives to do their part. Now, we each need to do our own part regardless of whether the other one does their part. But it, it works a lot better when we do things in concert together, one another. Another piece to this that's really important, he said here in this one verse, he said, treat her with respect as the weaker partner. Oh, that two-word thing, weaker partner, kind of causes the hair to stand up on end for some of you ladies. I mean, they're like, what in the world? What are you talking about? Weaker. I think primarily he's talking mostly just about the obvious physical differences. Now, I've, there are some ladies who could probably beat up some of us men, but <laughs> that's not real common. The more common thing is all right, men are made to be a little bit stronger in that respect, and I think that's what he's talking about. I heard somebody one time give an analogy that I thought really nailed it. He said it's kind of like the difference between a stainless steel thermos and a fine china piece of glass. You know, the stainless steel mug has a purpose, and it can do some things that the piece of fine china cannot do. I and mean, you can even nail in a, you know, something on the wall if you need to with that mug. You, know, you can't do that with that piece of china. But that china can do some beautiful things as well. It is, it is uh, uh, not only beautiful it is uh, something that you use at special occasions, it's something you cherish, you take good care of it, you might even polish it, and all these kinds of things, you take special care of that, whereas you can treat the other one a little more aggressively, they both are important, they both serve a purpose, it's not that one is better than the other, it's just they serve different roles, and we need to understand that and respect that. And husbands, let me tell you one more thing, don't ever, ever hide behind this verse. Wives, it says, wife, wife, you need to submit because the Bible says, and then use that for a place of intimidation or use your size or your strength or your deep voice or anything else to intimidate and try to, try to beat into submission your wife. Don't ever go down that road. We love them into this place, and we do this ideally together. But as Kim already said, my heart breaks for you ladies that have to go down a difficult road when your husband is not honoring or not honorable or, or is difficult to work with. But we each need to do our part. Well, finally, from there, as we close with this, he talks in verse 8 to all of us. He says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. And from there, he finishes this section of Scripture with some verses that sound a lot like what you read in 1 Corinthians 13, maybe uh, as Kim and I did, maybe you also had 1 Corinthians 13 read at your, at your wedding. You know, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love never fails, it finishes that, that part of that chapter. And maybe you're used to that. Well, I would tell you that the rest of this chapter you, it needs to be something you really look closely at, but it kind of reads along that line. And I think the key word again, and the reason I titled this message, A Reason to Love as opposed to a reason to submit, is because love is the key word. Love is what allows a marriage to work well. Love is really what changes the world. Love is the most important word in all of Scripture. God, in fact, is love, Scripture tells us. Love covers a multitude of sins, we read in the next chapter here of 1 Peter. John 13, when, God is, when Jesus is talking about the greatest commandment of all, He says a new commandment. I give you, love one another, not as the world loves, but as I love. In fact, he goes on to say, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you love one another. How many of you are parents in the room? We've got a lot of parents in the room. How many of you keep your hands up if you love your kids so much that you really don't even have words to describe how much you love them? I think most of us as parents are in that boat. We should all be in that boat. How many of you, one more time, how many of you want to see your kids have a healthy marriage someday? Of course you do. I do too. You know the best way to do that? It's to model for them what a healthy marriage looks like. It's to live out God's Word, to show them what it looks like. To husbands, to love your wives like Christ loved the church. Ladies, to follow what Scripture teaches and and to honor your husbands through, whether it be the word submission or in any of these other things that he talks through in Scripture. Because if you want to set your children up for a healthy marriage, you model it for them. You show them what it looks like. You know, um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 is a wonderful, powerful verse. A lot of people love um, talking about and walking in the Holy Spirit and focusing on our Holy Spirit. And, And there's beauty, of course, in that whole realm. But do you know what? If you walk with the Holy Spirit, there is fruit to that. And the very first of the nine fruits listed in that section of Scripture is this word, love. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these should represent all of us, husbands, wives, young people, all of us that are walking with the Lord, that are allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our lives. And again, in particular, if we want our families, our children that come behind us to have a healthy marriage. We need to model and live this out. I'd like to ask you if you would to stand with us. We're going to close in a wonderful song about God's love. I loved hearing the kids sing about how much Jesus loves us, doing the sign language as well. As we sing again about God's love, if you are touched by God's love, maybe you want to come and submit to His love. Submit to Him, which is where it all starts. Then I'd invite you to come this morning. I'd love to to talk with you, maybe introduce you to somebody else who can pray with you. Maybe you want to kneel and pray on your own, but let's worship Almighty God and submit to Him as we sing about His love and our love for Him.